0: Good morning. Thanks for being here today. I'm reminded of the Paul Overstreet song. Do you remember it? Christian country guy, God is good all the time. I bet y'all know how the saying goes. God is good all the time. Wow, how about that? You guys are awake. That's good to know. It's good. Kind of a silly little saying, but there's a lot of truth there as we think about the goodness of God. What a great new song that we have. We're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 1 today, looking at an interesting passage that I think will shed some light on goodness and just just God in general, what he does for us and and how he builds in our life. Got a quote here from Billy Graham. You, You may have heard of him. I don't know if you have, but you may have heard of Billy Graham. It's a remarkable statement. Listen closely. Man has two greatest spiritual needs. One is for forgiveness, the other is for goodness. Wow. It has been said that goodness is a strong indicator of character. Now let's think about character for just a minute. Calvin Coolidge said we do not need more knowledge, we need more character. That sounds like he said that today, but he said that a long time ago. And D.L. Moody said character is what you are in the dark. I like that. I've heard it said that way, you know, it's, it's when no one's watching. But goodness is such a big part of that and uh, there's a great need for that. So let's do our uh, scripture that we're reading today, Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. And let's think about the word goodness, maybe emphasize that a little bit as we say it. Would you join me together? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Wow, let's think about that for a minute. And I just want to remind you, as we look at this attribute, if you will, it's part of the fruit of the Spirit, the result, the produce, the outcome, the offspring, the yield, the results. It's active, it's things going on. And it's God's Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. It's his fruit in us. I can't just conjure it up, although I have certain responsibilities, as do you, but it's the Holy Spirit, it's God working in our lives. So today we look at goodness. I call goodness the first cousin of kindness. Last week was kindness, goodness. Did you know in our English language translations, sometimes they have a difficulty with, when they translate uh, the words, kindness, goodness, goodness, kindness, it kinda goes together and you might see one translation saying one word in the other. They're really tightly knit together. But this word I think is slightly different, goodness, than uh, kindness in that it suggests even more action than kindness. You can be kind by just what, smiling, Choosing not to respond, saying, hey, great, being encouraging. But the goodness, it goes maybe a little step further than that. There's action. You see, what is goodness? It's good character energized. It expresses itself in benevolent, active good. So I want you to think about that. It's taking that step, and then that next step, and that next step as we think about goodness. So I have some verses for you. Get your pencil or pen ready. You might wanna jot them down. I want you to ponder those today and this week before we get to 2 Peter. And we begin with the amazing Psalm 23. Do you know it? Profound chapter in the Bible. And we go to that last verse, verse six, and this is what it says. So ponder these verses as we think about goodness and also what is good. They go together. Psalm 23:6. surely goodness And mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Yeah, I think we think about mercy sometimes and dwelling and forever and all that, but it's right there. Goodness, it's right there. Psalm 34, 8. Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You know it. How happy is the man who takes refuge in him. And then we think about the life of Joseph. Joseph. that's the... (laughs) That's the middle name of my grandson, so. Joseph, all right, you remember that in Genesis? And all that happened to Joseph, do you remember that? And then we get to Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20, and it says this, Joseph says this, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. Romans eight twenty eight. you knew we were gonna have that today. You know that one, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those called according to his purpose. And every time I quote that or say that, I have to remind us, don't take it out of context like people have. It's not saying you become a Christian and everything's good. Did not say that, right? It says God works in all things, the real positive things and the real difficult things, and he works for good. We'll come back to that at the end of the sermon. And then James 1.17, that's one of my favorite verses that I claim all the time, and it's this, every good gift and perfect gift, you hear that? Every good gift and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. I claim that. God doesn't change. He's rock solid, and part of that is He gives good gifts and perfect gifts. Now, I might want them at different times than he gives them, but they're always right on time and they're just the right amount and all that kind of stuff. And then let me give you one more. This is the words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. 7 11. This is what Jesus says as he's preaching. If you then Who are evil, thank you Jesus, way to start it out, All right, we know we're sinners, right? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Wow. The big idea today, what we want to think about is simple, it's what we've been doing this whole series, we're to exhibit something. We're to exhibit goodness, which is a result of the Holy Spirit working in us. And through us. Well, let's read Second Peter chapter one, verses three through eleven. I to have to put my glasses on today, guys. One of those days. For his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these he has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may share in the divine nature. Interesting escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires for this very reason make every effort to supplement your faith now you're ready for this here it comes look what it starts with make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness and goodness with knowledge knowledge with self-control self-control with endurance endurance with godliness godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love wow For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, brothers, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be richly supplied to you. Let's pray. God, we ask you to speak to us today. Not my words, but your words, your scripture, your truth. And give us open hearts, Lord, to to receive. God calls us to be people who are teachable from me right on down lord that we would be changed by your word that we when we gather together that we when we leave that we would be uh, undergirded we would our batteries would be recharged but, but more than just a feeling we would be changed to be a little bit more like you god so thank you for this time in your name we pray amen second peter you may have guessed it Written shortly before his death, an elderly Peter wrote this letter. And this passage uh, wrote First Peter and Second Peter. But in this passage, I think we see several practical and timely instructions that we can take a look at. So I started it out this way. In in verses 3 and 4, it's going to kind of set up the rest of the verses. And it it shows that God God is the giver, is he not? We just read the scripture. Every good gift comes from him. And God's goodness, if you will, gives to us. And we see right off in verse 3, we see something very important uh, that separates him from us. We see the power of our good God. Did you catch it? For his His, for his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness. Isn't that interesting? The scripture says that it's our good God, it's his power that's divine power. What does that mean? Divine speaks to the attributes of God, what God has, what separates God from his creation. And so it's that kind of divine, but it's power. And you know where we we get our word dynamite, right, from this word. But I want to give you one little extra thing today. Sometimes we sell this word short power when we just think, well, we get dynamite, boom, right? What does dynamite do? Dynamite goes boom, right? And then it's done. Have you ever seen a building come down and they set off the charges? It's pretty powerful. But almost instantaneously, it's done. Here's what we need to think about this divine power, though. It's really more like gasoline that you put in a car. Now if you know about combustion and all that, which I know very little about, some of you could come explain it more, but there's little explosions going on and it propels the car, but it's not one and then boom, it's done. It goes on and on and on and that power, guess what it does? It helps if you have your GPS plugged in right, lead you to the right, correct destination where you're headed. So I want you to think of that divine power that way in verse three. It's propelling us towards something. So uh, the power of our good God is a divine, power and in his goodness god freely gives his power is given has given us and that word implies not a gift if you do something let me give this to you if you do something for me no it's no strings attached it's a good he gives it he gives it to us and what is that he gives he gives us to us everything that is needed to live the life we were created to live did you catch that everything hes given us everything required for life and godliness that's amazing David Jeremiah said it this way I love David Jeremiah God's goodness God's goodness displays his generosity by his nature he longs to bring joy and blessing to all his creatures. Isn't that awesome to think about? Wow. So we, we see this good God, this power and how he gives to us. And then secondly, I think in verse 3, we also see the process of being more like our good God. We, we are to be more and more like our good God. How does this transformation take place? We see it right there in verse 3. It says, through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness that's how it takes place how does it take place what's that process it is knowing god through jesus jesus is a big deal have you heard that before we just sang about what the old rugged cross i love that song we we think of the cross and we also hopefully think of the empty tomb and what Jesus has done. And so at this transformation, it comes through Jesus. Now what's interesting here about knowledge, this is not the word gnosis, it's epignosis. So it's more than that. It, it, it's not just good sense and understanding, that would be the first word. But it's this, this word he uses intentionally right here, it means full and intimate knowledge. It's not talking about just head knowledge. Have you run into anybody in, in, in your uh, walk of life that said, Oh, yeah, I know God? Any, have you at all? You got to define the terms. What does that mean? Do you know God or do you know God? Do you have that intimate personal relationship of the, with the Lord who saved you or do you just know about Him? If you read some verses or You've been to church maybe and you went to VBS when you were a kid or or you did something and you know know, there's a lot of folks running around Albuquerque that will know a little bit about God, but they don't, not this epignosis, not knowing in a full and intimate knowledge. So we can experience true life. It says right here, godly living through knowing Jesus. Wow. And this comes about in a certain way. Look at verse 3 again. He's given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us, here it is, you ready? Two things, by his own glory and goodness. There's that word again. His glory and goodness. Now, these two words speak to God's moral excellence. We would even say the beauty of his goodness. Have you heard that before? The beauty of his goodness. You see, our good God intends for us to be growing to look more and more like Jesus. We call that the godly life. And as we do that, there's more and more goodness. But it's not about me, it's not about you, it's for his glory. Jesus should always have the spotlight on him, not on us. So let me just stop and ask you, there's that process, how you doing? How are we doing? How are we doing in that process? Are we becoming more and more like Jesus? Or are you like me? You you might have taken a left turn or a right turn occasionally in the relationship. Or even a a step back to go too forward and then another step back. Yes, of course that that happens with us. But really it's, it's worth asking and evaluating. How is God working through me in this process? Our good Father gives to us, and part of that is becoming more and more like him. But it gets even more, uh, I think, specific here in verse 4. Look at verse 4 again. By these, referring back to what we just read, by these, he has given, there's that word again, us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption corruption excuse me that is in the world because of evil desires wow so not only do we have the process of being more like our good God but there's a promise of being like our good God now don't read into this saying hey I can be God right now that is not what the verse says are you with me it does not say that But what it reminds us of, true believers, people who are truly followers of Christ, who have truly been converted, regenerated, transformed, who truly have that personal relationship with Jesus, true believers, we are on a journey. And that journey has an ultimate end. Are you aware of that? Now some of you have been traveling this summer. I know some of you did 4,000 something miles. And I said, God help them, please, wow. That's a lot of miles. And I have a friend uh, who's at Del Norte Baptist who just did the same thing, and went to all the national parks, and uh, it was the wrong time to go to the Pacific Northwest, if you know what I mean. It's been a little hot up there. I don't know if you've noticed that. And uh, I'm sure they thought, is this journey ever going to end? Heat, place after place, mile after mile. But the journey true believers are on has an ultimate end. Are you aware of that? And the end is full of promises, full of promises. And we can summarize it this way. Jesus is coming back. Say that with me, Jesus is coming back. Do you believe it? I think we believe it. I don't know if we always act like we believe it because I might do something different next week if I really thought Jesus might be coming back this week. What about you? Are you concerned about folks who are lost? Are you concerned about family members, someone you work with? someone you go to school with, someone in the neighborhood. Do we live that way? Not always, but we believe it, don't we? There is an end to this journey. Jesus is coming back. That is the greatest promise. It's right there for us. It's interesting. Note that God's promises exceed anything we might face. No matter what you're going through today, no matter where you are or what you're going through, his promises got it covered. Read the end of the book. He wins. Amen? And eternity is involved. Not just this pitiful life that we might do 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, maybe 100. Anybody in here 100? Not quite. I know there's some 90-somethings in here, though. We should make them stand. But some of them say, don't make me stand right now. I'm comfortable. (laughs) I don't know how I got off on that. It matters not what we face throughout our life, however long it is, because there is an ultimate end. And and notice something. At that time, Christians, read that verse in that context, they experience sharing in the divine, you see it? Nature. Not to be God, but to be, think about it. I look forward to that day. Do you look forward to the day when you break open eternity? and the lord jesus says that's one of mine well done good and faithful servant enter in do you look forward to that face to face with jesus at that time we experience the sharing the full sharing in the divine nature not to be god but to finally be think about this finally be released from the war we're in a war right now do you know that we're in a war with our sinful flesh. It characterizes our journey in the world. We have to confess that sin. And our good God will complete the process in us. And I'm grateful for that day. Let me illustrate it in this way. You might want to jot this down and ponder this as well. First John, first John 3, 2. 1 John 3, 2. Listen. To the elderly Apostle as he writes these words dear friends we are God's children now amen and what we will be did you catch that what we will be has not yet been revealed we know that when he appears we will be like him because we will see him as he is are you looking forward to that day We can take our glasses off, take our contacts out, and we will see him like he is. And we will be in eternity, and we will be like him. Isn't that amazing? So I ask the question today, are you on the journey? What good is a sermon if we don't ask the question, what's your status with Jesus Christ? The scripture tells us that we have all sinned. And our sin separates us from holy God. But God knew that that was going to happen. Isn't that amazing? God created us anyway, even though he knew we would sin. And he had a rescue plan. But God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were sinners, what happened? Christ Jesus died For us and so you need to know that whether you're sitting right here or whether you're watching online you need to know that we have a sin problem but that God has a sin solution a rescue plan and it's Jesus and it's the work that Jesus did a perfect Jesus did on the cross for us but he didn't just die we need to remember that one of you could die for me that'd be that's pretty awesome any, any volunteers? No. That would make you dead. Jesus died, and scripture shows us on what happened. On the third day, he resurrected. He did not resuscitate. We've seen that before. People even write books about that. I'm not sure if all those books are accurate, but they do that. No, Jesus resurrected never to die again, and he conquered sin and the grave, the devil. Hell, evil, all those things. And he offers to us, God offers this gift of grace to us. Scripture says it's a gift. And he gives us faith to take the step, doesn't he? He gives us faith to say, forgive me, I believe. I I, I want my life to be in, in, you just to take it over. we, We call that being Savior and Lord. Is he Lord of your life? That's part of the gospel. Is he the ruler? Is he the controller of your life? I just think we need to share that, folks. It has nothing to do with church membership. It has nothing to do with where you live. It has nothing to do with your family of origin. It has everything to do with you and God. And what have you done and I see a lot of heads shaking I know you know that we call that the good news don't we amen (laughs) if we have good news might we want to share it have you had any good news in your life in the last few years I bet you have maybe that grandbaby came right that great grandbaby what are you doing you're sticking your phone up in my face and showing me it's good news and you want to show it right or you got a promotion at work, it's good news. People get to know about it. Or someone, and maybe that little darling grew up and now she's engaged and gonna get married, right? What do we do? We send out announcements and all that stuff. It's good news, save the date. And here we have the good news, the gospel of what Jesus did. I always feel so much better when I get to share that. So. We will move on. Some people say, what does that have to do with Second Peter? It has to do with every chapter in the Bible. God developing the rescue plan and what he does, and we need to share it. And, folks, I'm in the same place with you. I just want to be transparent. I'm in the same place that you are. I miss opportunities from time to time, don't you? I mean, let's be honest, we do. God gives them, and we look. Oh, God gave me that opportunity. I missed it. But we want to become a people that miss less of those opportunities and more and more share this good news, this gospel, so people can get in on life right now, the abundant life, but also 1 John 3, 2 and other passages and be able to share in this divine nature these great promises that we have. We want them to get involved in that. Let me remind you of something again. There's nothing that can fix this world This country, this city, your neighborhood, your family. Nothing can fix it but the transforming work of Jesus. Now, we can do a lot of things. I remember when I was a city councilman for eight years, did a lot of things, took a stand for a number of things. If you remember the Battle of the Ten Commandments up in Bloomfield, I was in on that, okay? doesn't mean we don't do these things, but ultimately... It's Jesus and what the word says about him that's going to make a difference. So I say that not to, for us to go through life, oh, I, just, I missed another opportunity, I've got to do better. No, it should be encouragement to us. It should be an encouragement that we have good news to share and our eternity is secure. Okay, let's move on. Verses 5 through 11, the rest of the verses. So, so we've kind of looked at our, our, how our good God gives, but let's see what I call goodness qualities. These qualities are part of goodness or cultivation. That's kind of been our whole sermon series. The Holy Spirit is cultivating each one of these nine uh, attributes, if you will, into our life. Cultivating means it doesn't just sit there, but there's going to be growth. And we get to the goodness, qualities, and cultivation. Remember, the fruit is of the Holy Spirit, not me, not you. He works in me, he works in you. He does work through my efforts, but guess what? He has led me to undertake those efforts. Do you see the difference? I didn't come up with the idea, you didn't come up with the idea, but we we move to action because of what God is doing in our lives. So, I listed here seven rungs on the ladder, verses five through seven, and maybe you'll see the sequence there and you think, what in the world is that? Peter uses something interesting here. It's a literary device that's called sorites. Maybe you've heard of it. I don't know if you have. His readers back then, we need to always remember when we read scripture, there were original readers, right? There's original readers. But God's word is alive, right, and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. So every generation, it is speaking to us. But there were original readers. They knew exactly what this literary device was, Sorites. It, it's when you take each virtue and it leads to the next and to the next. Some scholars had said, like in a stair-step structure. But since I'm not one of those scholars, I think of it like a ladder. Can you picture rungs on a ladder and you're going to climb the ladder? So what we see here are seven things, they're all efforts that God uses in what scripture says, look at verse five, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. So what is he doing? He's using these things to supplement uh, our faith. Supplementing meaning generous, costly participation. Now we need to hear that word. It's not easy, it's not free, it costs, it requires action participation so we're going to run through them real quick you're saying thank the Lord that we're going through them quick or we could be here all day rung number one what is it it fits with what we're talking about today it's goodness what does goodness mean here it means goodness of action of fortitude of resolution so we can live out God's goodness in his grace so this is a supplementing our faith the first one is goodness and then goodness goes with what's next knowledge Now that's a different word than we had in verse three. This is the practical wisdom, gnosis. It's not what we saw in verse three. Here it's wisdom, it's discernment that every Christian needs to live a moral life. God gives that to us. So here we have, hey, work on goodness and with knowledge and then look at wrong number three, with self-control, contrary to Peter's world and I would say contrary to our world in which we live, Self-control is only possible as the believer submits to the control of the Holy Spirit in us. Self-control. So he goes, goodness, with knowledge. Knowledge with self-control. Self-control with endurance. Now, we have different words for endurance in the Bible. Here, we're not talking about uh, endurance with people. (laughs) We already did that sermon. The word there is patience, right? Endurance with people, it's patience. Here, endurance is related to things or circumstances. very practical. Whatever you're going through, you need to, with every effort of the Holy Spirit working through you, have this endurance. So we have goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance. That means to persevere under persecution. And if you know about the readers, right here in this book, they were facing and would be facing strong persecution. And perhaps in our lifetime, we will face strong persecution. We haven't yet, at least not in this part of the world, but I think it's coming. So we need that goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, and then endurance with godliness. Do you see it? And godliness simply means devotion, reverence towards God. We always think of it as just this Act No, it's more than that. It's that reverence before God which helps us then to follow him and have those good acts, godliness. And we should demonstrate it. It should be appropriate and respect and reverence towards God. And then we have godliness to number six, wrong six, brotherly affection. And that's translated correctly. I hope that's how it's translated in your Bible. It's not the word agape that we know. It's the word Philadelphia and variations of that word what do we call philadelphia the city the city of brotherly love isn't that funny i wonder where they got that from (laughs) i wonder where they got that from but that's the word that's used here so that rung number six brotherly affection is dealing with our horizontal relationships with our brothers and sisters with people and so we have, look at the ladder, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and then it turns uh, vertical. And brotherly affection with love. Remember how we said at the beginning? Love fits all of the fruit of spirit, whether you're at the beginning, at the end, doesn't matter where you are, it's that love, that agape of love, God's love. Two of my professors, Curtis Vaughn and Tommy Lee, wrote a commentary, and I love how they describe this kind of love. So let me brag on them. They're both going to be with the Lord. It desires the highest good for the one being loved and demonstrates itself in sacrificial actions on behalf of that one. And Of course, Jesus is the picture. God is the picture of that. So we have goodness, knowledge, self-control, endurance, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. You see, where does this ladder come from, if you will? Verse three, it comes from the divine power, and it should be nurtured. Now let me just remind you as Bible students that when we see a list, it doesn't mean it's exhaustive. Are you okay with that? So often we say, and we're gonna cut it out, and we're gonna put it on the fridge, great, but that doesn't make it exhaustive. There might be other lists in other places. God speaks in a lot of different ways to us, but here is a really good list to look at. And notice that it starts with goodness. I don't know, have you ever tried to uh, jump on a ladder and just skip a rung? That might have worked okay for you, but have you ever come down the ladder and missed a rung? It <laughs> doesn't go so well. So let's remember that first one here in this scripture. Is goodness Well, let's move on to verse 8 and 9, and we see that cultivating, that, that God's our good Father, is cultivating. And in verse 8 and 9, in 8 we see a positive, and in 9 we see a negative. Do you see it there? And think about productivity. Think, again, goodness, that idea of action. Verse 8 is the positive. Let's look at it. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's very encouraging to me. It's a great encouragement to think about that. The positive is what? This progressive growth in godly character will enable the believer to stand strong against whatever comes our way. And uh, especially in these folks' case, the impending assaults of false teaching. If you read that. And then verse nine is the negative example. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. You got too big for your britches. You forgot what Jesus did. Jesus is the one who saved you, and you're blind and you're short-sighted. Such a person is so focused, if I can say it this way, they get so focused on their present desires that that person is blind Uh, to how the gospel of God's forgiveness affects everything in his life. Or maybe we could say it this way. He can't see the big picture, but he can only see what's close by. So we realize it's God, and he is good, and he is cultivating in our life and productivity. Godly good productivity comes out of that. Let's move on to verse 10. We're almost finished. Verse 10 and verse 11 We see, I think, two things, two imperatives. Be sure of your salvation, and secondly, be steadfast in your salvation. Be sure of your salvation, and be steadfast in your salvation. Verse 10, I think, is clear. We are to know. We are to know. What are we to know? Uh, My version says, our calling and election. These words, though, are synonymous in concept, and you wanna see that, they're put together for a reason. They both ref- reference the glorious, gracious, sovereign work of God in our salvation. Do you believe that? Do you believe, God's the one who saves, right? That's why we shouldn't miss those opportunities. We don't save, we just spread the seed. We tell the story, and God's the one who saves. And so we we see that here. And I want to tell you something. This is a little sticky. These terms are a little sticky with people these days. If if you're aware, people going back and forth with this ism and that ism and this ism and that ism. And I don't like any of the isms, by the way, unless it's Lamarism. I might like that all right. But, you know, you customize it. Any system where we have this little box and everything fits in it, we got a problem, because God can't be put in a little box. And I have brothers that I love with this ism, and I have brothers that I love with this ism. And thankfully, we can agree that it's about Jesus, but their little box gets a little tight sometimes. And so, uh, let's not be too confused by this, because I think what we need to realize is God's salvation is both elective and effective. It's elective in three through five. Go back and look and see what he's doing there. He's creating faith. He's giving us the divine nature. He's freeing us from sin. It's elective. It's elective. This is what is the gift that is presented to us. It's also effective because think about this at some point in history, hopefully for you, the gospel was preached or was taught or was shared. And what happens? We respond. And all of the above that we just mentioned about the sovereignty of God is applied to our lives. And I say, thank you, God. I don't understand it all, but I say, thank you, God. Please, though, don't get hung up on these terms. It's getting so bad that what seminary did you go to? Oh, well, you're going to be one of those ists. Oh, you went to that seminary? you going, no, let's not do that. Let's not do that. Some of you go going like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm saying, trust me, it's out there, okay? But we shouldn't get hung up on them because let's just look at the great preacher from the 1800s, the English preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who reformed folks would say, that's my hero. I don't think he was interested in isms, really. Listen to what he said. It was said he was asked about how he reconciled God's sovereignty with human responsibility. You know that little tension that's there? And here was his response. I never try to reconcile friends. Think about that for a minute. He recognized their friends, and neither should we try to reconcile that. I think of two pillars. What God does, he does all that, and then he gives us faith and we take that step. Have you ever shared Christ with someone and they reject it? They're not taking that step, are they? I don't quite understand it all, but it seems like it is holding up this amazing gospel. One of the many distinguishing factors between us and God is shown over and over in Bible verses, Bible passages, and here it is. Our minds cannot reconcile everything that's right here. If you run into someone who has reconciled every word of scripture, I would be careful. Because the Bible talks over and over about the miraculous. The Bible talks over and over about the mysterious. Have you read that? And I don't think I'm gonna understand it all Until eternity, face-to-face with Jesus. You see, some things are reconciled in his mind and not ours. That's why we call it, what do we call it? Faith. We call it what? Trust. Trust. We believe, even when we don't understand it all. Well, be sure of that salvation, but secondly, be steadfast in it. Finally, Peter tells them to uh, to be sure of their salvation. Why? So they can be steadfast, so they won't cave in under the onslaught of false teaching and error. You read 1 Peter and 2 Peter, you'll see that. Go on to Jude, you'll see all of that stuff that's happening there, and and they have to hang in there. Verses 10 and 11. And then there's a two-fold promise. Did you catch that? For in this way, excuse me, I need to back up. Second half of verse 10 because if you do these things you will never stumble for in this way entry into the eternal kingdom of our lord and savior jesus christ will be richly supplied to you so there's a twofold promise and they're seen together and it's this you'll never stumble now wait a minute what does that mean what are you saying lamar read it in context the stumbling referred to here is that final nature, what he's going to do when Jesus comes back. The stumbling refers here to the final nature. It stands in contrast to receiving entrance into the kingdom. See, this person is on the pathway and will safely arrive. And again, I say, "What about you? What pathway are you on? I know that Jesus has saved me, and I'm following him, and he, he's working my life. I need to do better. We all do, but he's working that way, and there's a journey, and someday it's guaranteed. Do you have assurance of your salvation? It Jesus' blood has guaranteed that it will finish the work. So that's a great promise. And then also you will gain entry. Interesting word there. Entry. Peter picks up on the gospel theme here, and he answers the question, who's going to enter? And what will enable the person to Enter. And the answer is what? The person whose life is characterized by the progressive demonstration of Christ-like character. Look at the latter. Look at the rungs. Now, Peter here, hear me, is not describing salvation by works. Are we good? Preachers are scared to mention any of that because people will think it's No, it's not salvation by works. He's describing salvation with good works. Because we're saved, it propels us to good works. Do you remember Ephesians 2.8 and 9? Don't forget 2.10. Scripture says what? The Christians are his workmanship, created to do good works before there was time. That's my paraphrase. Okay? So it's there for us. But what great promise is a great twofold promise to receive? And note something. I want you to note something. Look at the very end of 11. Don't miss it. It says it will be richly supplied to you. Richly provided. It's not going to be a routine entrance. You think about goodness, this is going to be great when that happens. Let me close in this way this morning. C.S. Lewis said this no man knows how bad he is until he has tried to be good that englishman could give a pithy little statement right let me say it one more time no man knows how bad he is until he has tried to be good it's a tough thing we're talking about and then spurgeon again the great preacher said this all the goodness i have within me is totally from the lord alone and when I sin, it is from me, and it is done on my own. But when I act righteously, it is wholly and completely of God. I like that. Praise God. Praise God that he cultivates his goodness in us. Again, let me go back to Romans eight twenty eight. I want to illustrate this, and I, ho- I hope that you'll get it. We're, we're kind of in a hurry, wrapping things up. But think about this again, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So you think about the worst thing that could happen to you. I think a pretty bad thing would be thrown into prison facing impending death. And one thing we learn is that we get commentary on the Bible from what? From the Bible. And if we go back to Philippians 1, 12 and following, I don't have time to read this morning, would you jot that down? Philippians 1, 12 and following. I'd like you to look at this, but it gives the great example of how our good God causes all things to work together for good. When Paul wrote this, he was in prison. He was in trouble, as we would see it. And if you read Philippians 1, 12 and following, four things happen. God's goodness occurs in four different ways. See if you remember them. First of all, Paul's captors were evangelized. Wouldn't you hate to the guy, the guard chained to Paul? Wow. I've heard it. Don't, I've heard it. Don't tell me again. Oh, you're going to hear it again until you get it, right? So number one, his captors were evangelized. Number two, his colleagues were emboldened. As you read that, people got, that weren't in prison got bold to go ahead and share. Number three, his critics were exposed, and he writes about that. People were doing it for the wrong reasons, and he exposes them. And then this horrible thing that was happening to him, God worked it out for good because he says at the end of that passage, we see that his Christ, Jesus Christ, is exalted. What a great illustration for us to see about God's goodness, about how our good God works things out for the good. It's not about comfort, is it? It's about God being glorified. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for the fact that one of your attributes is goodness. And we can be encouraged this morning, Lord, by your goodness and your good gifts. And the most miraculous of all them, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift from God. God, thank you for the good gift of salvation. From your heart of grace and mercy. And your desire to have relationship with us. Your desire to present to us what your word calls an abundant life, life to the full, to the max, right here in the sinful world that we're in. We thank you for that. We acknowledge today that every good gift comes from you, Father. We are encouraged that we can be partakers and we can experience a glimpse of your divine power and your nature and that you have set us on a path of many different things, including the list of seven that we saw here today, and you've put us on that journey, and you're waiting. And Jesus, thank you that you will return someday. And we will be with you, those of us who are true believers, and we thank you for that. We're encouraged by that ultimate good gift. So Lord, I pray that you would cultivate this in our life. In your name we pray. Amen. I want to do something a little different during our response time this morning, so just stay right where you are. I want you to ask God for one area of your life where goodness is not reigning. Remember goodness is the first cousin of what? Kindness. They're going to kind of together. Would you just get still for a moment, don't look at me? Maybe bow your head or whatever you need to do to be alone with God and just ask God, God would you reveal to me this morning one area in my life where goodness is not reigning just ask him for one, don't ask him for more than one folks, just one and I am confident that God's word never returns void, I am confident in the power of his word and that it cuts into us, would you just take a moment and say God, what's an area where you want to cultivate goodness in me oh God we thank you that when we cry out to you when we pray you hear and respond to us folks I want you to do one more thing same idea I want you to pray right where you are and just ask God God is there one person where I either can do better or start just sharing your goodness with that one person Ask God to lay that person on your heart right now. God we acknowledge today it is you, it is your spirit indwelling us that cultivates goodness in us. God, help us to be active in it as you lead, as you disciple, as you grow us. Help us to take that step and then the next step. And God, I pray for each person here, each person online. We've just been reminded by you of an area of life and a person. God give us boldness to work in both those aspects this week, even perhaps today. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray.